Welcome to Becoming Church, the podcast where we discuss how the message and movement of Jesus is not just about becoming Christians, but about becoming the church. I'm your host, Kristen Mockler-Young, and my guest today is Christelle Acevedo. She is an author and writer who is currently working on her Doctor of Ministry degree. She's got some book recs for us, tips on how to better love our migrant neighbors, and even a Disney reference with Encanto, which y'all know I am here for. (laughs) I'm glad you're here. Here's my conversation with Christelle Acevedo. All right, Christelle, so excited to have you with us today. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. Look at us here. Busy working moms. I know. (laughs) We're killing it. We're doing so good. We are killing the game, killing the game. (laughs) So you are the spiritual formation director at Transformation with Derwin Gray, who was also actually just on the podcast recently. Mm -hmm. What do you, what does that mean? What do you do there? Yeah, so I am part of the discipleship team, and really the purpose of our team is to help people live out the vision of Transformation Church beyond Sunday mornings. So we know Sunday morning gathering is important. It's awesome. All of us gather together. But, you know, we are Christ followers all throughout the week, and so how do we help people grow in following Jesus? And so our team oversees a multitude of areas, including groups and care and life events, um, but my specific area with spiritual formation is really helping people take their next step towards Jesus. And so we start from the very beginning, like when someone makes a spiritual decision or someone walks in brand new through our doors. um, And then we uh, assist with baptism, with membership class, helping people get incorporated into the local body. Um, And then we do really fun events throughout the year. Well, I don't like to call them events. I like to call them discipleship opportunities because I'm not an an event planner. I'm a (laughs) discipler. (laughs) Although let's be Um, honest, there is a bit of planning when it comes to ministry. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, there is. Um, We do fun things that like theology nights where we gather together and we learn something like we're the ones we're planning for the fall are all about the character of God. And so we're going to be diving into that together. Um, We do short-term groups for men, for women and all kinds of stuff. So it's a really fun and full job that I love. That's awesome. I mean, it really is the heartbeat of this podcast. You know, we call it becoming church because that really is the whole thing. Like I didn't want to just start another podcast Mm -hmm. as if there weren't enough Christian or church podcasts out there, Uh you know, but same, we really wanted this to be a tool, uh, discipleship in a way Mm -hmm. where people can listen to conversations and, you know, be thinking about things outside of Sunday. So Mm -hmm. I really love that your focus is, you know, outside of that Sunday Mm -hmm. morning service. That's actually what we were (laughs) called to be and do, you know? Amen. So what do you like best about being in ministry? What's your favorite part right now? Mm. I just really love helping people understand who God is and who they are in Christ. Um, It's, it's something that I, you know, I'm an introvert and recently, actually I, I put this on my website long ago when I first created my website, I said that I'm an introvert who loves people. And then recently, <laughs> recently we had a guest speaker at our church, Dr. Crawford Loritz, and he said the exact same thing in his sermon. I'm like, 
we are kindred spirits. Like oh. we're introverts, like what our energy. Here. Yeah. Yes. Um, but I, but I love, I genuinely love people because God loves people. And yeah. so I want to help them understand how loved they are and how just the abundance that is found in, in a life with Christ. Yeah. I think you have to love people to mm-hmm. last in ministry or yeah. It's going to be really right. Hard. Yes. Just get out uh, now. Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, if I'm being honest. Uh-huh. All right. So what is the hardest part of being in ministry? Like that's your favorite thing. What yeah. is the hardest part that maybe people would be surprised to hear? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the hardest part for me is trying to figure out boundaries with ministry and life and home and all the things because it's boundaries are hard no matter what I think. And when your life, I feel like my life bleeds over a lot and it's not a bad thing, you know, like I love that ministry never stops. Like ministry is not just like nine to five while I'm at the church and working like ministry is can happen at any time, anywhere. Right. right? And right. Um, so that can, so I love that. I genuinely love that, but then it can also be difficult because sometimes I just want to like turn my mind off and just be, you know, yeah. <laughs> so I think sometimes that can be like really difficult. Something I heard once that gave me so much freedom. I'm going to, I'm going to say this to you and I hope you receive mm-hmm. it. And I hope it helps yeah. somebody that's listening too. is that you're going to disappoint somebody every day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to boundaries, right? Like today I might disappoint my husband tomorrow. I'm going to disappoint my kids. The next mm-hmm. day I'm going to disappoint my boss. The next day I'm going to disappoint my coworkers. Mm-hmm. The next day I'm going to disappoint myself or people on social media or my friends, or maybe honestly, like maybe more than one of them on the same day, mm-hmm. you know, but yep, it just gave yep. me that freedom of going, all right, as long as I'm not consistently disappointing the same person over and over, mm-hmm. like, gosh, I don't have to stress about snapping at my husband today because, you know, I brought home like the stress of job, the job Mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. not giving my kids enough time because a ministry thing did pop up and somebody needed that pastor call, you know? And so obviously we need boundaries and people in ministry need boundaries, but hopefully that helps you a little bit. It just kind of helps me to (laughs) live in freedom of like, whoo, I don't have to be everything to everybody every day. Yeah, that's good. Listen, that is make or make an Instagram reel out of that or a TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> I should. You know what? I actually it's on my list. You should see Good. my list of like ideas. ideas that just stay in drafts. Yep. I okay. okay speaking of speaking of TikToks, it's funny to me to hear you say that you're an introvert because girl, you are out there dancing and singing yeah. <laughs> and like you have all kinds of reels and TikToks. And mm-hmm. a lot of them are about being Latina right? Yeah. yeah. Talk to me about these. How, how yeah. as an introvert are you, do you just like put yourself out there? Yeah. So it's funny because we, I grew up in Miami, which is uh-huh. full of Latinos from every okay. Latin American country. Right. And I feel like when I lived in Miami, I was the quietest Latina. Right. Okay. But now that I live in South Carolina, I'm like the loudest person. Oh, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. It's so funny to me because I'm like, am I being loud? Am I being like a lot right now? But but if I'm in the, a different context with like lots of Latin sure. American people, yeah. I am, I'm like the quietest person. They're like, are you okay? <laughs> um, so I think a lot of it is just cultural. So obviously like it's in me, like I grew up in a context where we danced at every party. Um, we have loud conversation. We're boisterous. We, you know, we're, we're not, um, when we cut people off, it's not rude. It's just, we're all talking and we're all excited and we're, you know what I mean? Yeah. But in a, 
in a different cultural context, it's just, it's different. It's right. the norms and the expectations um, right. are different. And so I think it, me, for me, being an introvert doesn't mean that I'm shy. It doesn't mean that I am necessarily reserved. It just means that I am tired at the end of the day if I have had a lot of social interaction yes. and and I gain energy from being alone. So I really like being alone and I really like being quiet. Um, that's how I recharge, but that doesn't mean that I'm scared or nervous about speaking in front of people or dancing at a party or even making funny reels where I look silly, you know, like it doesn't really bother me. Um, I'll just be tired. (laughs) So it's just, it's just knowing like, where do I draw my energy making sure that I still, and that I'm intentional with Sabbath and rest and all of that. But, but yeah, being a Latina definitely informs how I do life from how I, how I see myself, how I, um, relate to others, how I do ministry, how I read the Bible. And so it's really a gift as I see it. So I am like marshmallow white, like white, <laughs> white as white can be. So I'm sitting here nodding. I'm like, yeah, I, but I actually don't get it. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So right, explain, right. explain to me a little bit about, you know, bringing your culture into an environment where, mm-hmm. It's not the norm anymore. Like, how has that formed you as a person? How has that, just talk to us a little bit about like yeah. your lived experience. Sure. Yeah. So when I first became a Christian, actually, I um, had, <laughs> I had some, I don't know how to say it in English, but in Spanish, you say that I was a Latina arrepentida, which means like, I was uh, like, I had a little bit of shame about ah. my ethnic identity about being a Latina, you know? And so, um, because I was now in this culture, in this church culture where, you know, I went, I remember going to a wedding and there was no music or dancing. Like that was just not like, you do not do that. And I was like, Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And, and just like lots of things that were not okay or not, not, not thinking that they were bad or simple, but it was just mm, not the pre- the preference, you know? Yeah. And so I learned to quiet that down a lot. And I felt like, mm-hmm. oh, this doesn't matter. This is just, it just happens to be like, I would just happen to be born in another country that speaks Spanish and raised in this family, but it doesn't really mean anything. What matters is that I am a Christ follower. And that's where I need to put all of my focus. Um, I went, when I uh, graduated college, I went away to seminary and it was a um, largely white seminary, um, and large and male dominated. Honestly, like I was one of yes. the few, um, Latinas in As many of them are. Yeah. 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 In yeah. the room. And so I think I, again, I, I had like this kind of shame or, or I just wanted, didn't want to make it, I didn't want to publicize it, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, um, it wasn't until my kids were born that I started realizing that I wanted them to know where they came from. I wanted them to understand the Spanish language, even if they don't speak it. It's so hard to, to make them speak Spanish. Um, I wanted them to hear our music and eat our foods yeah. and like be proud of their culture. And yeah. so um, I, I started investigating that more and then reading in scripture that like, what does God actually say? about our ethnic identity. And I started realizing that God does not do anything on accident, that he does everything on purpose. And the fact that I am a 
Latina, that I'm a woman, that I was born in another country, that I speak Spanish, all has a purpose and it's all to bring him glory. And yeah, it's not an accident, but it's it's divine. It's it's part of, of his creation and, and he loves it. Not only does he love it, he wants me to, to use that and to and to share it with others. And my experience helps people understand God in a unique way. I reflect him in a unique way as we all do. Right. And so I started to embrace my heritage more. And one of the one of the big parts about my heritage is the fact that I am an immigrant. And I come from an immigrant family and I started reading in scripture, like how, how God loves immigrants and how immigration is weaved throughout the story of scripture and how my lived experience helped me to see that in scripture and has helped me to share that with others so that they can now see it and how it can like change the way they live, the way they love other people who are immigrants So that's been a big part of, of who I am and how God has used it. Well, and I think that's why I love watching your videos. Cause first of all, I'm trying to learn how to dance. So I like, I like hold my phone with one hand as I'm like trying to move my shoulders, (laughs) but also it really is Chriselle. It really is just you living into coming into and accepting and living into your identity. And like you said, it is helping other people. I know that you, we will link them in the show notes, but you have written a couple of different um, devotions on immigration, like how to develop a biblical view of it and mm-hmm. how that we can better love our migrant neighbors. Mm-hmm. Um, what is one thing that you want people to know? I know, like I said, we'll mm-hmm. link them up because I'm sure there's a lot, yeah. but what is one thing that you would want people to know right now, just about immigration or scripture yeah. or whatever? I think I want them to know, especially given our Western American context, that immigration is not a political issue, that immigrants are people, and that we as Christ followers are called to love people, regardless of their status, regardless of where they came from, that we are called to love people. So how can you do that in your context? How can you support immigrants, love them, welcome them? Um, and show them the love of Jesus. And not only that, how can you be open to learning from them as well? Because immigrants have a wealth of knowledge and experience and wisdom. And a lot of them love Jesus too. And they can can show you who Jesus is as well. So just be open, be loving and be welcoming. I love that. Yeah. I think there's a lot of fear that has told us, you know, we need to be afraid of these people. They're coming for this, they're coming for that. And it's like, Mm -hmm. Hey, but what if you actually just looked at them and saw the same Imago Day reflection mm-hmm. of God that you saw in, you know, your literal neighbor who lives next door to you? Exactly. Because yeah. it's actually still there. Right. All right. So before we get to your book, you are a lover of words and a lover of books. Before we get to your book, I want to know, I want you to give me three books, three book titles real fast. I want to know a mm-hmm. favorite of all time, mm-hmm. your favorite recently, and one that you're looking forward to reading. Okay, so my favorite book of all time is called Like Water for Chocolate. It's uh, written by Laura Esquivel. She's from, I think she's from Laura Esquivel. Or maybe she, oh no, wow, she's Mexican, good. yeah. Okay. Yes, yeah, she's a Mexican author. Um, and it's 
written in the style of magical realism. So if you've ever seen like Encanto, for example, the Disney movie, that, <laughs> that is magical realism. Like there's all these fantastical things happening, but it's just normal. Like no one's like, oh my gosh, the house like communicates. The house can talk. Right. right. Yeah, it's just, it just <laughs> is, right? <laughs> and so that's how the novel is written. It's an epic story of a family and it focuses on one of the daughters, the youngest one, her name is Tita, and she cooks and but her emotions as she's cooking like get transferred to the food and so when oh, people eat the food they I feel her like it's it's incredible oh, like one of my okay yeah, one of my favorite books of all time um okay one that I'm one that I read recently yeah right that I loved yeah. um was the biography of Eugene Peterson uh a burning in my yeah. bones okay um, I cried like literal tears like yeah it was so beautiful the just the the rawness of it, the honesty of it, and the beautiful life that he lived. Um, that was not perfect by any by any means, but sure. but just he loves Jesus and he just really tried the his best to be faithful to that. And it was very beautifully written. So I just finished that one and woof, yeah, tears. <laughs> hey, adding it to my TBR yep. pile. Got it. Got yep. it. Yep. And then one that I'm looking forward to reading. I actually just started with my son reading um what's it called? The the ballad of songbirds and snakes. <gasps> so yeah. So it's Do you the know pre- they're making it a movie? Yes, that, that's why we started I, reading it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so really? like, we have we have to read it before the movie comes out. <laughs> so this is the prequel to um what's it called why did I just the, forget the, the hunger thing? games the hunger games good yeah. night yeah yes yeah. it's the prequel to that yeah and I like I was obsessed with the hunger games when they came out like oh, I read them yes. yeah read them watched the movies cried beautiful and then when my son became of age that was appropriate you know I started um yeah. watching the movies with him and then he read the first book and so we were we, we saw the trailer for the songbirds uh whatever that the new (laughs) (laughs) and I was like Liam we have to read the book before we watch the movie he's like okay so we just started we we were like two chapters in but like I'm so giddy about it um oh that's awesome yeah I was in the theater to see the Barbie movie and uh it popped up I I read the book when it came out a couple years ago and I had no idea so I'm sitting there with my girlfriends and audibly I was like (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing that's how we saw, yeah. we saw the trailer there too we were watching the barbie movie and i'm like oh, liam we have to read it he's like yes yeah. i ordered yeah. i got on amazon right away ordered it <laughs> that's, awesome. that's awesome all right well another great great book that people should order on amazon right now is the one that you um co-authored called three big questions that shape your future and you wrote this with kara powell and brad griffin talk to us about this book like how was it born where did it come from yeah. Yeah, so Kara and Brad have each written so many books. Like they are, and, and specifically for teenagers and yeah. that and students, um, they are incredible. They're out at Fuller Youth Institute in California. Um, but they had written a book specifically for parents called Three Big Questions That Change Every Teenager. Okay. And they had a great had great feedback from it. The parents were really loving it. And then they were wanting to know, like, how do we engage the content that we're reading here with our teenagers, with our students? And so they wanted to write a devotional specifically for teenagers. And there's just not a lot of like, go look through your books. There's not a lot of content like books for teenagers yeah. um, that and engage. And this is 
not childish. No, like yes. I literally was going through it. And I was like, <laughs> I'm going to go through this myself. Like it's uh-huh. not, I think sometimes our, the devos and things that are written for, for teens are like, bam, pow, it's got to look right. like, comic books. <laughs> yes. like, like this is just, Hey, you're a person and we don't mm-hmm. need to, you mm-hmm. know, give you platitudes or like give yeah. you a coloring section. Like it's just exactly easy to use. You know? Exactly. Yeah. And that was, that was the goal. Like we wanted to create a relevant resource for teenagers. And actually, so I didn't know them before okay. <laughs> they, they reached out to me um, through their literary agent and asked somehow, you know, somebody told somebody told somebody like, and sure. thanks to honestly, thanks to Instagram too. So, yeah. you know um, and they recommended me because they were looking for a co-author who um has the experience and I've been working with teenagers for a long time and has the writing chops and wanted to like join them on this project to create this resource. And so they contacted me and I, first of all, I thought it was spam. The first time I saw, I'm like, this isn't real. (laughs) (laughs) I showed it to my husband. I'm like, look at me. these spammers, like they're, oh, I can't believe it. They're, they're trying getting to good. Me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he's like, babe, I don't, I think this is real. I think you should call them. <laughs> so I did. And it was real. Thank God. And awesome. it was just, I'm so thankful that I had this opportunity because it was the right project at the right time. Yeah. Um, because like I said, I've been working with teenagers for a long time. I love devotional writing. I it's, it's discipleship. It's um, it's real and Kara and Brad, like I said, are incredibly gifted and experienced in going through this process with them. Yeah. Really just, I learned a lot from them. So, yeah. um, yeah, so well, go ahead. It was, I feel like it's everything, like a culmination of all the things that we've already talked about with you, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's discipleship, it's teaching and guiding, it's the next generation, but it's also not like here's everything laid out for you. Here's what Mm -hmm. you have to believe about this, this, that. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are places you ask questions. There are takeaway, like a takeaway thought there's application. And so it really does help teens, or I will say people (laughs) to think about what they believe. And, and the questions really are, who am I, where do I fit? And what difference can I make? And Mm -hmm. immediately, I mean, it's so clear identity, belonging and purpose, right? Like, yep. We all think about these things. Absolutely. So the basis of those questions, it came out of a ton of research that the Fuller Youth Institute did. They interviewed hundreds of teenagers and asked them, what questions do you have about faith, about life? And when they, when it all boiled down, it really was those three questions. There was tons of questions. We all have tons of questions, but they fit in these categories of identity, belonging, and purpose. And so um, that's when they started engaging, like, okay, like, as parents or as um, youth ministry or student ministry workers, we need to be engaging our teenagers and our students in these specific questions. And that doesn't mean that we tell them, this is who you are, this is where you fit, and this is what your purpose is. It means that we allow them space to to ask these questions and that we go on the journey with them to discover the answers. We don't tell them the end. And that's something that I'm, that I've always believed in. Like I, like even with my own kids, when they say, how come this, or how come that usually my first response is, well, what do you think? Uh-huh. Yep. And, <laughs> yeah. Because I want them to, to use those, those muscles in their brain and, yeah. and, and their experience. And I think it means so much more to someone when they can discover the answers for themselves than if someone just tells them. And you yeah. probably, you've probably been there before where you have a question like, well, this is what you need to do. And you're like, yeah, okay. Anyway, 
I'm going to go, I'm going to go figure it out now, you know, um, right. it just means more. So, yeah. Well, and the fastest way to push a teen away is to tell them exactly, mm-hmm. this is who you are and this is where you should be. And this mm-hmm. is what they're going to be right. like, uh, even if I believe with, believe that I'm out because right. you're trying to put me in a box or whatever. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I would say again, all three of us, I think feel pulled to all three of these identity, belonging mm-hmm. and purpose. But I think that we can all be bent differently toward them. Mm-hmm. Um, which one, and maybe as you were writing the devotion or maybe just in life, right? Mm-hmm. Which one do you feel like you spend the most time wrestling with? Yeah, for me, it has to be belonging. Okay. And I think it's because I, I have a pretty strong sense of who I am. I'm really self-aware and, yeah. um, I don't, I don't have to guess about what I want to do or who I am or how God has created me to be. Like, I have a very strong sense of self and, and over the years, God has really, like I said, God has taken me on a journey to, to help my ethnic identity and my personality and like how he's brought it all together under the identity of Christ. And I feel like I'm like, yeah, like, of course we all struggle with that sometimes, but like, I feel like I've gone on that journey. Generally. Yeah. Yeah. And then purpose, I feel like, I mean, I've been a writer my whole life. I love writing. I used to make little little booklets when I was a kid. When I was in middle yeah. school, I used to write stories and pass them around to my friends. And I've always loved writing. And I love, I've always loved ministry. And well, not always, but since I became a Christ follower, because yeah. <laughs> there was a time when I wasn't, um, I just had a deep love for like Bible reading and teaching and discipleship. And so yeah. I, I've felt for many, many years, like, this is what my purpose is. My purpose is to write. My purpose is to invest in my local church, like no questions, but belonging has been harder for me because I, I think I've always had this sense of not fitting in. I've always felt a little bit like a misfit and it's sometimes it's just hard to like find your people or find a place where you don't feel like an outsider, at least for me. I don't know about other people. I don't know. Um, but it's been hard for me. And and I think conceptually, like I know where I fit. I know I fit in God's family. I know I fit in the church. Um, but sometimes it can just feel a little awkward (laughs) just because you know, that yeah. is true. Doesn't mean that practically it's always easy to Mm -hmm. feel or to find Mm -hmm. how has God like helped you in this on the days that, and and you said it's the one you struggle with. So I'm not Mm -hmm. asking you for answers here. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But how have you allowed God to kind of like shape you in this when it's hard? Yeah. So I think recently it's been hard, um, just from different circumstances that I've gone through, (laughs) uh, in recent months and years. Yeah. Just life. And also being in your thirties is kind of weird. And we moved, we moved here from another state and that's weird, you know? Yeah. Um, (laughs) so I feel like God is showing me that no matter what I can find belonging with him Mm -hmm. and that there are people, if I open up my little introverted heart, and my little introverted eyes that there are people he has surrounded me with that I can choose to be vulnerable with. And I think that's one of the hard things about belonging is that often we have to go first in saying, Hey, Mm -hmm. do you want to be my friend? Do you want to hang out? Do you want to do this? And you have to display a certain level of vulnerability in order for someone else to be like, Oh, this is safe. And this is, and this could be fun so that you can form a a deep friendship and, and belong to one another. So 
yeah, I think that's kind of what the, what God is showing me. I have heard that truth about relationships, friendships, whatever, so many times, right? That essentially you need to like be the person that you're looking for, mm-hmm. which I just want to be like, God, why? Like that, do you understand how scary this is? It feels so <laughs> counter, yes. per, like counterintuitive to be like, I uh-huh. need friends. And so they're right. I'm going to go be the one to ask people to be my friends. Like, what? Yep. Yep. But it, 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 it works. Yeah. It's, it's stretching and it's growth. And that's what God calls us to is, is not necessarily to be comfortable, but to take a, a step of faith and, and trust him in it. So super fun. Other people, <laughs> other people permission then to do the same, you know, mm-hmm. like if she can show up and she can do this, then I also can do this. Yep. Yeah. So that's yep. great. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Christelle, what's next for you? Mm. Okay. What's next? Whew, girl. <laughs> I am currently writing a Bible study for IVP. And I know. Yeah. It's so fun. And (laughs) it's all about the wilderness, (laughs) which is not fun, but actually has been such a gift. So I, I, we all go through wilderness seasons. And when I say wilderness, I mean a time of your life where you are, you feel alone, you feel lost, you feel like you have no direction or purpose. And you're just wondering, what is this all for? You know? Um, And so I had a stretch of years there where I felt like I was walking in the wilderness and I didn't understand what God was doing. And I thought it was just all like a waste of time. Um, And then I kind of came out of that and and started getting my footing and started getting opportunities and different things. And um, I still looked back and reflected on those years as just a waste and just, that's what I felt, that. Yeah. Um, and I think we can all probably relate to yes, that yeah. to some extent. Yeah. And so one day I was reading in my Bible in, in the gospel of Luke, and it talked about, uh, John the Baptist and he, and it said that he grew up in the wilderness and came out of it spiritually strong. And I was like, wait, he was in the wilderness and he, he grew spiritually strong. And is that what happens to us when we're in the wilderness? And so I started reading through the Bible and reading about different wilderness experiences, like the Israelites, they wandered the wilderness for 40 years, you know, Um, Hagar, she met God in the wilderness and gave him a name. Um, Adam and Eve were sent to the wilderness after they did what they did. (laughs) And Jesus, (laughs) Jesus was in the wilderness. And even it says that the spirit led him there. The spirit led Jesus into the wilderness and he, um, was huh. faced with temptations. And then from there he came and um went to the synagogue and read from the scroll of Isaiah and gave his messianic mandate. And so I just started seeing how the wilderness is not a place of just utter brokenness, but that it's mm-hmm. a place where God meets us and where we learn to depend on God when everything else is stripped away and how we can become spiritually strong in the wilderness. And so I actually wrote this like seven day devotional. I posted it on my website. Cause I was like, so just amazed. I'm like, people need to know this. The wilderness can be great. I mean, it sucks, but it can be great, you know? Yeah. And, and so I put it on my website. And then when, once I got in contact with IVP, they started asking me like, well, what would you want to write about? And you know what? Like this idea of the wilderness is still like weighing on me. And I think I can take this seven day devotional and make like a whole Bible study out of it. So that's what I've been working on this summer. And I have to turn it in 
um, September 1st. And then we translated okay. it into Spanish, which Yay! blows my mind. Yeah. Like I, so it exciting. just, yeah, it just goes back to like, nothing is wasted that God did not make a mistake in making me a Latina because now I get to write a Bible study in English and in Spanish to bless people who speak both languages, hopefully. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I, that's well, what's next for even, me. <laughs> excellent. I love that you even pointed that out because mm-hmm. sometimes I do think we have to look back and go, Hey, this cool thing happened, but it wouldn't have happened if mm-hmm. I had not gone through this, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it's easy sometimes to just maybe even minimize and be like, Oh, it's not that big of a deal. Like, Oh, mm-hmm. it's going to be translated to Spanish. Like, okay, that's cool. Yes. But also like, this is part of God's bigger story, right? Yes. It's going to be yes. so great for other people, but it's also going to be healing for you in a way. Mm-hmm. And oh yeah show you where God has been through your whole life and through your whole story, even if you Mm -hmm. maybe didn't see him at the time. And I'm like, man, let's point out more of those moments to people so that they can see them in their own lives. Because I think that we get so busy and distracted or focused on the wrong things. And we miss that God is like right here, right now, intentionally doing something. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. And it's just, you're right. Like we have to open our eyes and get, ask God to give us eyes to see yeah. the way he is moving and always at work, even in the smallest of details. So it's really beautiful. And I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are excited for you. And once it's done, we will also make sure that we share it. I'm going to link everything up in the show notes below so people can find your seven day wilderness Devo and all the other things. Mm-hmm. Christelle, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. I love you. And this is super awesome. Oh, you're so sweet. (laughs) (laughs) I think no matter what age, stage, or season of life you're in, identity, belonging, and purpose are something that we may always find ourselves wrestling with. At Mosaic, we want to help you know who you are in Christ. We strive to be a welcoming community where you can fit. And we want to help you understand what it looks like to live out your purpose as a reflection of Jesus. I've linked up some messages on each topic from past series below that I think will be helpful. While you're there, subscribe to our YouTube channel so you always know where to find us. Until next time, keep becoming church to the people around you.